Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. If you're hungry for juicy conversation, well, then you've tuned in to the right place. We celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world on this show. And every weekend, you will hear from celebrity chefs and artisan food makers, farmers and authors, experts and tastemakers, all of whom are passionate about everything delicious. Plus, I love to dish on living the best life, so I cover health and wellness, wine and cocktails, trends and more. So I hope that you will make this a weekly tune-in. And if you happen to have missed a show, you know you can find podcasts on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen, right? You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram with my daily dish, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, videos galore and more at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. I hope that this week finds you healthy and well and that you are still cooking up a storm. Let's get to the culinary conversation, shall we? So this past week in Southern California, where I live, was hot. And when I mean hot, I mean 90 plus degrees hot, which is, by the way, my excuse to eat ice cream. Of course it is. We haven't even kicked off the start of summer yet, but it is heating up. So we all scream for ice cream, right? I was raised by an ice cream lover. Uh, I was also raised by an ice cream connoisseur. My mom makes the best ice cream ever. And she concocts her custard and lets it sit overnight at least or a couple of days. It gets really rich, glorious, intense flavor from her additions. And then she masterfully creates this creamy, gorgeous texture, which by the way, I savor. And so I think that my love for ice cream is genetic, no doubt, but people have always loved frozen sweets, uh, food lovers and otherwise. Alexander the Great adored snow and ice flavored with honey and nectar. By the 17th century, cream ice, as it was called, was served at the table of Charles I, and ices began showing up at Paris cafes. In America... George Washington's records show he was an avid fan of ice cream, and Thomas Jefferson, a very passionate foodie, recorded his favorite recipe for vanilla ice cream using what was written as good cream, egg yolks, and sugar. Yes, good cream counts. His handwritten recipe is actually held in the Library of Congress collection. So that's a little culinary history for you when it comes to ice cream. I love the idea of making ice cream at home. And so I have a twist on the classic cone for you. If you are not uh, as skilled, I should say, as my ice cream mom, maybe you don't have an ice cream maker. Maybe you don't want to drag it out of the garage. I get it. So here's the scoop when it comes to making quick, cool treats without an ice cream machine. Did I pique your interest? There are two basic methods when it comes to making ice cream at home without a machine. Well, actually, there are three. 
but you'll have to wait for the third whimsical one till the end of this show and just stay tuned because you might learn something along the way. The two basic methods are one, to use your blender or food processor. You combine the ingredients to make an ice cream base and you freeze the base until it's solid and then you break it up into pieces and you puree those pieces in the food processor until you get the consistency of soft serve ice cream. It is traditional ice cream with a, a slightly softer consistency. And at that point, by the way, you can either serve it or you can store it in an airtight container and it holds as ice cream. It's a, a quick, I should say, hack. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Now, if you don't have a blender or a food processor that you think will do the trick, you combine the ingredients for the ice cream base, the recipe that you choose to use, and you pour it into a wide, shallow dish like a glass casserole dish, for instance, and you find space in the freezer. And then you periodically check on it and you stir it each time that you check it until the consistency becomes soft serve ice cream. These are the approaches, of course, if you do not have an ice cream maker. But you can also take a totally easy approach to use the seasons best to create what I call fruit-based frozen yogurt. It actually tastes more like gelato. It's very rich and creamy. And you need frozen fruit, some sort of sweetener, and some sort of dairy. And you can get creative. You can add chocolate chips or cookie pieces. And it's best to add them after your ice cream reaches the, the consistency you like. And before you go to store it in the freezer, you've heard me talk about it before. Um, you can use any dairy you like, could be cream, could be mascarpone. Oh yes, I love Italian cream cheese. Could be Greek yogurt, if you like the tart version. Then frozen fruit, strawberries, mangoes, peaches, you name it. Maybe you saw me make it uh, when I did a Facebook Live a couple of weeks ago to highlight Uh, three-ingredient ice cream. It was actually made with sweetened condensed milk as my dairy of choice. That cuts out the sugar, by the way. That's a two-ingredient wonder. And yes, you should probably make that tonight. And I will say, it is a a really quick, uh, instant gratification ice cream, if you get my drift. The recipe is posted at chefjamie.com. I do have some scrumptious inspiration for some ice cream flavor pairings. Like I love nectarine maple and strawberry mascarpone. And then of course there is the ice cream cocktail. Because, you know, times like these, we need an ice cream cocktail, don't you think? In a blender, you combine two scoops of your favorite ice cream. I like chocolate here. Then I add chocolate syrup or chocolate fudge, if you like. I make a Sambuca chocolate fudge. Oh, I should make that the bonus recipe this week. And so it is. Email me, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com, and I'll send you a recipe for the best ice cream topping ever, Sambuca chocolate sauce all the way. Back to that ice cream cocktail, you've got chocolate ice cream, chocolate syrup, coffee liqueur, chilled vodka, and a good blending. It's like a grown-up milkshake, and you top it with fresh whipped cream and maraschino cherry and a straw. Oh, yes. Cheers to that. So, here is to your next frozen treat. Please, would you save me some? Lots more delicious, cool inspiration at chefjamie.com, by the way. And perfectly timed. I mean, I couldn't have planned it better myself. It's time for food news this week. 
And here's the news you need to know. June is dairy month. Isn't that perfect for ice cream? So I say head to the dairy aisle or the freezer section for lots of inspiration. Because the dairy aisle is not just an aisle anymore. It's like the entire back wall of the grocery store, right? And whether you're going grocery shopping or ordering digitally today, it's the coolest aisle of the store. I have to say it's evolved over the years and I've been doing some work on it. I've been researching. I've been working uh, with the National Frozen and Refrigerated Foods Association. And I will tell you, the dietary restrictions and the lifestyle changes that we've all made and live by, the trends that we follow, they are present in the dairy aisle. So since it's dairy month, I'm encouraging you to go to your local grocery store or shop online and check out what's new. The almond milk, the soy milk, the oat milk, which by the way, makes the best cappuccino, the non-dairy dairy, creating a lot of buzz. And then go to easyhomemeals.com because three of my top dairy recipes are posted there. One is a dairy-free chocolate pudding that uses almond milk, marshmallows, and cocoa powder. It's decadent. One is that uh, frozen yogurt that I talked about a bit ago using Greek yogurt as the base and a cheese crisp that is totally keto and better than a cracker, really. And it's just a one ingredient wonder, shredded cheese. So in celebration of June Dairy Month, check it out, easyhomemeals.com. And hey, eat more ice cream. I mean, why not? You're celebrating dairy, right? Okay, don't touch your dial because there's lots more to celebrate coming up on this show. Sitting down at the table, I am delighted because Janae Claiborne is here. Yes, she was raised eating classic soul food, sweet potato pie and fluffy biscuits and smoky sausage, but she gave it all up when she went vegan? Oh no, she didn't. She has vegan recipes to share that riff on Southern cooking. Also, Ray Sheehan is stopping by. He is the best barbecue sauce in the world champion. So why wouldn't you want to learn barbecue sauce from him, right? And Elizabeth Alfonso is here sharing a new perspective on plant-based because we could all eat a little healthier at times. Stay tuned. There's lots more fabulous food in your radio. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen, and I'm grateful you're listening. Be right back. this quote from Janae Claiborne's new cookbook, Sweet Potato Soul. It's from culinary historian Bob Jeffries, who once said, and I quote, while all soul food is Southern food, not all Southern food is soul. Well, every week it's my goal to feed your soul and Janae Claiborne is keeping soul food alive with her vegan approach to the Southern flavors of smoke and sugar and spice. And she is here to dish on her creative and very charming first book release entitled Sweet Potato Soul. And I'm glad to have you. Hi, Janae. Hi, good to be here. (laughs) Glad to have you again. Um, Okay, um... Let's talk about your life as a vegan, please. For those that choose the lifestyle, I I very much respect it. Um, And I think um, you feel probably fabulous all the time, which 
I love. You share five healthy food rules to live by. So um, school us, please. Well, the number one thing is to avoid all animal products. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a vegan, that's what I do. Now, I'm an ethical vegan, so health is important to me. But the primary reason I became vegan and maintain a vegan diet is for ethics. Um, And uh, so that's number one. And I don't look at animal food as food or animal products as food. So that makes it a lot easier. I don't Hmm. feel cravings or, you know, feel like, oh, I wish I could eat that if I'm sitting at a table with people who are eating um, animals. So that's the easy one for me. Okay. Respect (laughs) that. And then I love the idea of eating your colors and, like, eating the rainbow because I know there's so many so much confusing information about, oh, should I be eating this? Should I be eating that? Oh, I thought broccoli was good for me, but this new report says whatever, which don't, don't go by that. Right. (laughs) But for me, the best thing is to, of course, eat intuitively, like eat the foods that are obviously healthy, the things that come out of the ground, the things that our grandparents and great grandparents sustained themselves on, Um, but also eat your colors. So if you're afraid that you're not getting enough balance, Make sure that your plate has a variety of colors on it. That's why I said eat the rainbow. So green from your green vegetables. And, you know, I love sweet potatoes. Mm, So I always like to add the brightest sweet potatoes on my plate. And dark beans, red beans, different types of rice. There's black rice and brown rice, obviously. But there's also red rice and there's there's, um, a jade rice. So you can have a lot of fun with different colors and different also textures on your plate too and that's just a great way to maintain your balance and make sure that you're getting all the right nutrients that you need and i think that applies to no matter your i call it a culinary lifestyle no matter how you choose to eat we can all eat more color. Absolutely. Yes. I totally agree with that. And I appreciate those rules. I think, as I said, they can be applied to lots of different uh, lifestyles and choices. And I share your love of sweet potatoes. I was raised on sweet potatoes. My mother would, as a, a quick fix for a starch, she would you know, a roast or if short on time, microwave a sweet potato. And I remember this very clearly, Janae, wrapped in a paper towel, right? And then she would cut the middle open and put a little pat of unsalted butter and drizzle it with maple syrup. And it was the most delicious, indulgent sort of sweet tooth craving that I fulfilled on a dinner plate. And I... Where are you I, from? I, I'm born and raised in Southern California, if you can imagine. But my mom being a fabulous cook, she was ahead of her time. And I, I've always had a fondness for sweet potatoes. And so much of what you eat and what you cook and what you've shared in the book is sweet potato based. So talk varieties of sweet potatoes available in the US. Pick a few, if you would, that we might not be most associated with that you love. Yeah. Okay. So... A lot of people are confused, as I'm sure you know, uh, about the difference between yams and sweet potatoes. Yes. The things that are called yams at the grocery store are sweet potatoes. Right. You've, most of us have probably never seen a yam, a true African yam <laughs> or an Asian yam. Um, so the ones with beautiful orange tubers at the grocery store, they are indeed sweet potatoes. And usually, you know, at the grocery store, they have the jewel yams, the garnet, um, and sometimes you'll see the Beauregard, but the... Well, 
I should be, I'm really talking about my personal grocery store. I go yes. to uh, Sprout. Sure. But at Sprouts, they tend to have the Garnet and the Jewel. Um, but my favorite, my, those are my favorites for sure. Those are like the classic ones. However, like different ones, I love the Okinawan sweet potatoes. So those do are the I. Do you? Aren't they amazing? Outrageous. <laughs> I'm outrageous. So they're like bright purple on the inside, yes. almost neon. Yeah, they're fabulous. And then so so unassuming on the outside, right? It's like you wouldn't think that there'd be a whole like neon purple, amazing, nutritious thing on the inside. I didn't know about the Korean version. Goguma, is it? Yes. Yeah, those are really wonderful too. So those have like a yellowish, creamy, you know, inside color. And they've got a brownish, almost like brown, slightly purplish skin on the outside. Those I love the I love them best when they're roasted. You know how our you know like how your mom and and my grandmother used to roast them in the oven whole. Mm, yes. Those and so all the the sugars are caramelizing on the inside and coming out of the skin on the outside. They're super sweet and starchy in the best way. I love those, and because they're different, also all these. Even though they're all sweet potatoes, they are all different. They are all unique. I agree. Um, Sweet potato parsnip bisque. You do not need to be vegan to make this recipe. And I love the combination of sweet potatoes and parsnips because they're two of my favorite things. Oh, me too. Yes. And uh, the, the creaminess of a parsnip and the sweetness of a parsnip compounded with the sweetness of a sweet potato... And you add cannellini beans for texture and viscosity, yes. And it looks luscious, this recipe. Certainly is. That, that's been a really popular one since the book came out. Hmm. I, you know, people tag me on their Instagram posts and also on Facebook, so I get to see when people are making these recipes. Love and that. that one is a big-time, like, fan favorite. Okay, so it, we'll hope that you'll share it of from, outside from of the book. Leave us with sweet potato tahini cookies. I think tahini is having its day. I know. Now, yes. of course, tahini is not a Southern American or soul food. No, no it isn't. <laughs> not at all. But I didn't hear about tahini until, I don't know, when I was in college probably. Definitely didn't grow up with that. But that is one of my favorite recipes, and it is so luscious and like decadent, rich, but literally or straight up is healthy. Like tahini is a whole food. It's simply blended sesame seeds. There's no added oil. They are sweetened with maple syrup and of course the sweet potato. And the sweet potato is shredded. So you have the texture, sort of a chewy, sweet texture in there as well. Mm. I just had to include that. And even though it's not a soul food, you know, traditional soul food or southern thing. To me, those cookies are definitely my definition of soul food. If you crave Southern flavors and soul food classics and you want to eat lean and clean, Janae Claiborne's plant-based soul food will satisfy. Check out her first cookbook release entitled Sweet Potato Soul. It's on Amazon and everywhere, and you can follow her at Sweet Potato Soul. Janae, come back again when you have more uh, recipe inspiration, please. I'd love to. Thank you.
Fire up the grill and get ready for some fabulous flavor. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Do you want to make the most award-winning barbecue sauce in the world? Well, of course you do. Ray Sheehan is sharing his recipe. His Memphis Mop barbecue sauce won best barbecue sauce in the world and the award of excellence from the National Barbecue Association. His first cookbook, award-winning barbecue sauces and how to use them, has just released. And if you want to kick up the flavor, he is creating sauces for your repertoire that will bring a whole new world to your cookouts. Ray Sheehan is here and we're making award-winning barbecue sauces with him. I'm very glad to have you, Ray, and kudos to you. You are a darn good cook. I have to tell you, I can't wait to cook from this book. Wow, what a great introduction. Thank yeah. you so much. Well, and well-deserved. Thank you for having me. Well-deserved. We have friends in common. Um, you certainly are a member of the Elite Barbecue Society. When Tuffy Stone endorses your cookbook, I think you made it, Ray. He's my idol. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, to have a Barbecue Hall of Famer, actually two Barbecue Hall of Famers endorse your book. Yes. Uh, Artie Davis um, as well. And, uh, you know, I'm just very grateful uh, for that. I worked really hard uh, well on deserved. this book to bring people the, the flavors and, and hmm. uh, rubs and sauces and brines, but mostly the sauces. You know? I, I think this is going to be the new Bible. Uh, because you create what many call unforgettable barbecue. And I'd like to start at the beginning, if you would. Give us a little bit of background on sauces. So at the start of the book, you list, which I think is just really well done, you list all of the sauces and their regions, and they're broken down. And I think it's a really good way to understand, right, that um, North Carolina makes very different barbecue sauce than Kansas City. Yeah, and, and even in within... Uh, North Carolina, there's a few different types of sauce, and let me tell you, everybody thinks theirs is the one. <laughs> so of course. It was, it was very difficult choosing which sauce I was going to do. The sauce that I ended up choosing was more of a Western uh, North Carolina sauce because it's a little bit more versatile, and it does have a tomato base, so I can use it on uh, so many more things and, and in sure. different uh recipes versus like the traditional just uh, straight up like a, like a vinegar style uh, a thinner sauce. Um, and, it, and not everybody knows the difference between a Kansas City or a North Carolina, you know, and, and that's why in the title I put sweet and smoky Kansas City barbecue sauce. Yeah, that's my people kind. an idea of what mm-hmm. to expect for that chapter. Yeah, it's smart. And, um, it's smart. And then with that sauce, you make... Uh, a handful of recipes that you then share for inspiration to sort of uh, take that flavor to new heights. Um, I happen to be a great big fan of two specific kinds of barbecue sauce. So I'm a mustard barbecue sauce girl, Ray. I love oh, the great. I love the tang and the sweet. And then if you give me Alabama white barbecue sauce, I will be your friend forever. The Alabama white is distinctly southern. It is so versatile. And so delicious. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's got that like little bit of a peppery bite to it. Mm. Um, I I want to show readers uh, and you know and cooks uh, what to do with it, and that's the theme behind all each chapter. Is not only is this a great sauce, but then here's five different ways you can use it. Yeah, which and is it's so not smart. Just glazing. It's not just you know dipping. 
we want to build layers of flavor too. Yeah. No, uh, Chris Lilly of Big Bob Gibson's was the first to grace this show and talk up white sauce. And of course you dip a chicken in it and you do a smoked chicken half. But then you make a creamy white barbecue slaw and you mix it into pasta salad and you make a grilled vegetable crudite um, and that makes you a barbecue genius. I have to tell you, Um, talk about, you talked about the base. You alluded to a base of the sauce just now. And and I'd like you to touch on that. This is how a sauce, a a great barbecue sauce is built, right? There's a number of of different bases. Um, You know, you have a tomato base, a vinegar Mustard is your favorite, uh, sweet, sweet and smoky, sweet and tangy. It just depends on which way you want to steer it, sure. you know, uh, because there are, there are even, even within the realm of sauces, there's a tomato base with a vinegar kick, and then there's mm-hmm. a vinegar sauce with a tomato, like a hint of tomato. So it really depends on, you know, which way you want to go with it. The white kind of stands on its own. And and it's um, it's you, you know it's it's very unique uh, yes. to itself yeah. in that you really want to use it uh, like I wouldn't heat it up you know because because of the mayonnaise base the other sauces I would definitely heat them up before you glaze mm-hmm. uh, or before you dip to bring out all the flavors so they marry properly and to it'll it's the glaze is going to adhere better to your protein. Oh, smart. Thank you. That's a great tip. And then do you take your sauces and pair them with wood types or do you pair with protein? Typically pair with with the proteins. I did include uh, some information about wood types because that's a pretty popular question that I get asked whenever I do demos and stuff. People want to know what type of wood goes best with the food. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, usually the the smoke or any of the woods you're going to use like a seasoning like salt and pepper. Yes, they're, they're reasonably universal. Um, all right, let's get to the good stuff, Ray. So you won best barbecue sauce in the world. And then what propelled you to print it in, uh, in a book and share it on Amazon? which is, by the way, top-rated already. I mean, this was amazing to me. The sauce that won Best Barbecue Sauce in the World then proceeds on the next page to give you the measurements so you can make it at home. You know, it's been a dream of mine to Mm. create a cookbook, having worked in the food industry my whole life. Um, You know, and I'm constantly, I'm always working on recipes. I write for the National Barbecue News Magazine, Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a monthly column in there where I typically do recipes, uh, sometimes product reviews and articles. Nice. But it's mostly recipes. So I'm always working on recipes. And I I have, like, you know, um, a file of stuff that I'm working on. And uh, I ran into a friend of mine who is a world champion barbecue guy. And, I, you know, we just got to talking. And he uh, introduced me to his publisher. And uh, from there, we we discussed the the book. And... uh, and they said, well, you're going to give the recipe for your sauce, right? And I'm like, what do you mean, for my sauce? <laughs> this sauce that's winning all these awards? And they said, that's the book. And I said, and I thought about it. And some of my my chef idols have all given their recipes. Yes. You know, yeah. um, Bobby Flay gives out all his recipes. It's true. He's one of the guys I, I look up to. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, you know what? If If my goal is truly to and to inspire and to motivate others to cook, then 
Why not? Everybody brings something different to the same recipe. Let's put it out there. Yes, and kudos to you because that is a camaraderie that I think in the restaurant, food, culinary world we share. And there's a generosity of spirit where you share a recipe and uh, it's genius and brilliant in its own right, but I might make it my own. And you encourage that in the book, right? Use this as a template and make it your own signature Memphis mop barbecue sauce. Page 17, thank you, I'll be making it. Now, once I make it, I want to mop your beer brined pork chops with it. Do you always brine in beer? Oh, do those look good? I, I don't always brine in just beer, but I do. I'm a big fan of brining. Um, and, and throughout the book, there's different, you know, whether it's a dry brine or a wet brine, there's different rubs, recipes, and there's uh, brines because um, you really want to be able to make your barbecue uh, tender mm-hmm. and moist mm-hmm. and flavorful. And so... The book is, like you said, something that I want people to refer back to. I want you to refer back to this beer brine pork chop recipe with the Memphis glaze. Even if you're not going to use the Memphis glaze, later on you're going to use that method of brining the pork chops, and maybe you will have used the North Carolina barbecue sauce to go with it because you want to change it up a little bit. Yeah, it makes But the brine is, is there to keep it moist and keep mm. it tender. Nice. Recipe after recipe, Ray, I can't tell you. Uh, Again, you are a damn good cook. And to share the knowledge and the wealth is is really brilliant. Um, Kudos to you. Your sauce is first on the agenda. And then uh, everything else will follow suit. Um, I can't wait to grill this summer with you, in air quotes. And uh, I wish you continued success, of course. Will you come back as you develop new sauces and grace this show again, please? Oh, my God, absolutely. I'd love to have you. Let's, uh, let's have you back before the summer season, you know, is in full swing. And maybe you can teach us start to finish um, a, a summer-inspired sauce and a couple of dishes that go along with it. That would be wonderful. I'd love it. The book is called Award-Winning Barbecue Sauces and How to Use Them. It is just released and getting crazy great accolades on Amazon. Ray Sheehan, S-H-E-E-H-A-N, the book Award-Winning Barbecue Sauces. And of course, you can follow at Award-Winning BBQ Sauce. Ray, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I can't wait. There is lots more to grill and chill right after this. So grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't go away. This is where delicious inspiration is served up every weekend. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Plants are healthy. You know this. And most of us don't eat the recommended amount of fruits and veggies. So making the majority of your diet plant-based will up your produce ante, no doubt. It's a nutritious choice. And if the idea of eating entirely plant-based sounds scrumptious to you... Plant-based is what we're seeing more and more, but what exactly is a plant-based diet? How do you make it 
totally healthy and get back to great health. Well, Elizabeth Alfano is an award-winning media personality who speaks across the nation on the economic, physical, mental, and environmental benefits of a plant-based food system and diet. She is... I will say, sharing the gospel through her syndicated radio program um, on the Amazon Prime hit vegan cooking show, New Day, New Chef. And uh, as she hosts her weekly Awesome Vegans Influencer series. So I asked her to stop by and dish because she's full of healthy insight. And I'm really glad to have you, Elizabeth. I hope that you are safe and healthy today and that you're eating well. I know you are. Oh, gosh, I sure am. Um, And I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Stephanie, on the show. I super appreciate it. Yes, of course. Um, And congratulations to you. You are the nation's first plant-based radio show. And I think that's fascinating in so many ways. The plant-based movement has made converts out of many. It has made those that were suffering from illness or uh, sick with so many things well and strong again. And albeit, you know, I'm not plant-based entirely, but I talk a lot about how I love Meatless Monday because I feel good. If you would, just give us an idea of where you see plant-based having come from, and where we're going. So, so much to talk about there. Before I hit on that, I'm just going to riff a little bit on what you said. Absolutely, people are reversing diabetes, cancer, heart disease with a plant-based diet. So if you're talking about getting healthy for yourself, something to really consider. Um, Where we were, I'll take you way back to the 70s. Yes, please. um, There's this image of hugging trees and not taking a shower. Um, I'm not really sure if that was ever accurate, but oh, how we have come so far, baby. Uh, Now you're looking at the Game Changers, that documentary with lots of sexy people who are um, award-winning athletes. They're plant-based athletes, and they're all about the best performance they can do, the best health they can have, and that's a plant-based diet. I agree with you. And, you know, as a professional chef, and you're a food lover, I'm a food lover, I have loyal listeners of so many years that are all food lovers, I can't honestly commit to you that I could go entirely plant-based, but I can embrace reducing my carbon footprint. I can embrace more meatless days that definitely benefit my health, but I believe they benefit the plate as well. And when I say that, what you alluded to, the farmers, the industry, the ecosystem, our environment, all of those good things, there are so many beautiful virtues. And you talk about taking back your health. It is more than just the physical. There's the mental, the economic, the environmental, right? It's about the system. Yes. Again, so much to unpack there. We could do this for hours, so I hope you're going to come back on my show. We can talk about it some more. But yes, absolutely. It is the whole system. But before I say that and talk about the system, I'll say, yes, just working more veggies. Not everyone's going 100% plant-based. That I get, particularly in the beginning. And every step you make for your own health, And the health of the planet is a great step in the right direction. Okay, so we need to swap recipes and we want to continue to learn from you. So you have an open invitation here. We're going to keep the plant-based conversation going. And I am going to encourage my listeners who are loyal radio lovers 
to tune in to your show. The Elizabeth Alfano Show is the nation's first plant-based radio show. Elizabeth hosts the foremost leaders in the plant-based arena, making the world a better place for people and the planet and animals. And she breaks it down so you can understand the latest in plant-based food and news and lifestyle tips. And you can hear it here. She is delightfully engaging and passionate, and there are no crazy strict rules, no judgment. Okay, I'm going to make a great big huge salad with everything that's left in the fridge, Elizabeth, for later tonight. Um, and I'm going to toast you with everything I can fit on my fork. <laughs> it sounds so wonderful. Listen to you. You're so great. I just love being on your show. Well, so thank, thank you, you kindly. You well, thank you. And thank you for being here. We'll talk again soon. And please stay healthy and well. We know you will. Thank you so much. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration. And if food is your fetish, well, then I certainly hope that I satiated your appetite. I will leave you with my last bite, I like to call it, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for the hour. And of course, I'll meet you here next weekend, of course. I kicked off the show screaming for ice cream, talking about the start of summer and different ways that you can make ice cream, especially without an ice cream maker. Well, here's the bonus. My last bite recipe, just four ingredients. Well, the salt doesn't count. Just three, in fact. For a homemade ice cream that is so easy and so fun and so whimsical to make with your kids or adults alike for a backyard barbecue, it's no churn and it's super simple. You take heavy cream, some sort of sweetener, preferably granulated sugar here, and a bit of vanilla with a pinch of salt and you put it into a half pint mason jar and then you seal the lid tightly and shake vigorously for three minutes. I like to do this at the start of a family party or a dinner party or a backyard barbecue. Pass the jar around and let everybody shake. Then you remove the lid and you dip a spoon in and the mixture should be thick. It should coat the back of a spoon. We call that in French nappe. Not too thick like whipped cream, but you know, reasonably thick. Then you seal the jar and you freeze it. And by the time you are done sipping and savoring great wine or brilliant beer, or beautiful cocktails, and have enjoyed dinner al fresco, your ice cream is ready. It's just so good. And I will post my mason jar ice cream recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. I hope you'll follow my daily dish. If you happen to have missed a show, podcasts are posted under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen on iTunes. And I'm always serving up seconds with thousands of free recipes at chefjamie.com. I will meet you here next weekend. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I hope you stay safe and healthy and that you continue to eat well.